It's April 30th, 2020. Today we discuss collaboration updates, Windows Virtual Desktop, Teams Live Events, and Moe's Southwest Grill. I am Michael Askins, architect, Taste Labs, and this is the Technology Architects Solution Engineering Show. Mr. Girl, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. That was one heck of a, an agenda, ending with Moe's. It's yes. supposed to be welcome to Moe's, not ending with Moe's. <laughs> so so uh, you want me to start the show again? We'll do it that way. <laughs> it's April 30th, 2020. Today we discuss, <laughs> list out the agenda. I am Michael Askins. Welcome to Moe's. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> not a sponsor. <laughs> But you could be. <laughs> that's that's a true thing. Um, so I want I, I for fairness, you know, we want to do fairness. So there is the other opposite of Moe's or Chipotle. I don't know what kind of deals they got going on, but uh, one of the reasons why at uh, the recording of this, we're recording in the morning actually today, and is that you got me hungry for dinner with some some super deals and uh delivery curbside stuff that that these restaurants are offering and and if you want to describe real quick in less than 10 seconds what moses for people who may not know what moses uh go for it yeah so it's kind of the subway of of uh, mexican food right or southwest grill sort of food where you walk in and, and pick what you want, add your toppings and get some chips and they have a salsa bar, which is always nice, but going to be closed, I'm sure. So they're just going to give you a variety. Um, but I got an email this morning that they're given a, a family deal, which is kind of a good, good idea for, for, uh, you know, the, the COVID kind of times right now where people want to support the local businesses and they are one that I believe is owned by franchises. So it is sort of local, even though it's a, a franchise and, um, they're doing a deal where for like 35 bucks or something like that, they'll uh, give you a, like a, a taco night. So you get all the, all the trimmings of a taco night for 35 bucks and they'll even deliver it for you if it's more than 10. So that's, that's, I think that's what we're having for dinner. We usually go out on Thursdays when life is normal. So we've been doing takeout and that seems like a good idea. Talk, talk of Thursday, man. Talk of Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, so a, a shameless plug for 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 Moe's there. So, uh, if you recall, uh, one of the, one of the places we co worked at, uh, we would have events and we have them cater the events quite often, and at least once a week or every other week. And I'll tell you that that was a smile on my face kind of a day. It's one of those that I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the nature of the type of food, but it's one that where you get the takeout, it tastes pretty much just the same as if you got it in the store. It's like they package it all separately. It doesn't get all soggy and gross and nasty. You know, sometimes when you get the stuff, you take it home. It's kind of like, eh, I kind of wish I ate it there, which is not possible now. Uh, although I've seen a lot of people like, you know, family where obviously the six foot rule is kind of not happening because you live in the same house i've seen a lot of family go order specifically pizza usually pizza i saw it at uh one of the pizza places yesterday local to me where they go order a pizza get it you know curbside or drive through or whatever whatever it may be and then they sit on their tailgate either in an suv or a truck and kind of have an outside picnic kind of time and it was really nice yesterday so a bunch of people were doing that and i thought that was kind of funny yeah, that, that does seem kind of good. So so there's a place around us that has takeout pizza next to a chocolatier and ice cream parlor. And uh, yeah, it, it's actually more towards your way. Um, mm. You know which one I'm talking about. And uh, I, I'll tell you, you know, 
for those who don't know, uh, there's there's a, a pizza related um, group that I belong to because I'm a big pizza guy. And the thing that I found uh, found kind of hilarious about this particular place is that you see these people because there's no eat in at this pizza place. It's all wa- the counter counter deliver. Right. And, it, and they're the squares. So you see people going in, getting their pizza, sitting on the tailgate eating and then going into the into the chocolate place the combination of the two is so darn good that at christmas time we stopped by there because that was on our on our in our list for pizza places to hit up and it was pretty dang cold out dude and there were just people after people sitting on the tailgates of their car out in the cold blowing smoke out their nose not cigarette smoke but like you know steam from the cold mm-hmm. uh, blowing smoke out their nose because it's uh it's so cold out so they can get their pizza and then go get their you know their ice cream parlor stuff um that's all good and well uh, but you can't do that now because of because <laughs> of where we're at and let's get focus back in on some of our technical bits so like our agenda today um collaboration updates the uh the the funny thing is about it there's so many users using all these desperate tools but some are starting to shine more than others um teams 75 million active users that's a huge number right that's a huge number yeah, that's 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 a good swath of working America, you know, leveraging. Uh, well, we're, we're global here, too. So when you look at those numbers, but that, that's impressive to see that that kind of a, an adoption, I believe, on a uh, an event that we were part of at the time, which was this, uh, several weeks ago. They added 12 million users at the end of end of the previous month and they're at 44 million users. Now we're at 75 million users. It's good to see that uh, the, the platform has has taken off are you seeing any other uh any of the other collaboration tools having an update yeah i think that um i think that a lot of that uptick i'm um, just kind of continuing on that thought for a second i think that that is partially related to the business kind of issues related to zoom um i think that zoom is actually correcting a lot of that uh, in full disclosure but i think it kind of frightened a lot of people and a lot of organizations that i've i've heard of are kind of bailing and, and switching to teams maybe because of the security aspect but also because i think they're starting to get some education of i already pay for this why pay for something else um for both reasons that's that's awesome so yeah i think also too um you know we are microsoft kind of focused here in this podcast but kind of branching out from that and i tend to be the guy to normally do that because i i like i know you like to poke fun at that <laughs> but um you know from the google side I, I read an article that google is is doing some uh free versions of uh google meet now um so you'll get more features uh for, for less cost less cost or no cost lower no cost so a lot of organizations not just microsoft are really updating their their um their tools, their, their, their collaboration tools, remote collaboration tools, uh, obviously, because they have to given the, the time. Um, but they're also kind of helping people out from a monetary perspective, too. So I think that's awesome. Yes, absolutely. The uh, one of the challenges that uh, happens when you add these features from a Google perspective. Now, I've said in the past, I'm a big consumer of Google services from from a personal perspective. Um, and even from a business perspective, tying in the maps, maps APIs, like that, that whole framework is all built and fleshed out. Now, Big Maps has similar things too, but you know, Google's been the go-to from that perspective. Um, 
the thing that makes me think is, you know, I scratch my head is they have hangouts from, from a collaboration perspective that was like connecting people, right? So hangouts is there. And then they say the hangouts app on the machine is or on your systems are going away, but there's still an app on your phone. Um, they embed hangouts into Chrome. How soon before hangouts goes away and it's Google meet will be the platform. Do you think, do you think, or do you think that won't happen? I think that will happen knowing knowing Google and that's something, you know, as I mentioned on the show before, I used to live in that space and it was something that made me pull my hair out. And don't don't get me wrong, there's things that Microsoft does that makes me pull my hair out too. So I'm not I'm not shaming Google here by any stretch. But um I think that one of the things that Google does that made me pull my hair out is they um they kind of either change the name, uh, which <laughs> you know Microsoft does that one, but even worse, they they pull functionality out of somewhere, put it somewhere else, delete the functionality and what have you. And, you know, once you get your users working with something, you know, for me, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, I like to pivot around, use different uh, phones and, and laptops and tablets and devices just for the sake of doing something different and seeing how it works. Um, but a lot of users don't want to do that, right? They're, they're, you know, the accountants and the business people and the salespeople. And they're like, I know that this works. I don't care about the latest and greatest. I want to do my job and move on. Uh, and, and that's kind of challenging to do with, with the Google platform at times because they, they do that. So I think from, and don't quote me on this, but I think from a business perspective, they're already moving away from, from Hangouts. Um, you know, I think they're, their phone numbers and, and meetings and such are all in meet now. And I think it's only a matter of time that the consumer areas are doing that too. Should be any day now. Yes. Uh, it's not a good time for that kind of disruption though. No, no. And I, I would hope that they understand that too. And will recognize that now's not the time for that sort of disruption. Yeah. So, so what I like about, about hangouts, I, you know, I don't I don't necessarily like it for the use case of let's have a hangout and everybody can join and watch. And if you're public, sign up with your like that whole delivery mechanism for that. That's that's not what I ever used it for. I like using it for an off sell provider chat mechanism. Yes. Yeah, I do that as well. Um, actually, I use Google Hangouts personally. Um, kind of funny with uh with me and the wife i actually created a kind of like a home number for us like for things that um we want both of the um both of our phones to ring rather or you know it's something that both of us are, are interested in rather than having a, a home cell phone or a home phone number for that matter a landline which we didn't care to have um and wasn't part of our bundle so we're not gonna we're not gonna go there um but we I, or i created a a google a Google voice number, you know, integrated with hangouts that, um, will ring both of our phones simultaneously. So, um, I'm actually a consumer of that myself. Yep. Most definitely. So, um, so the general update is zoom's trying to shore up the, uh, the leakiness that they have with their, with their vulnerabilities. Uh, teams are still taking, uh, we'll say land grab for, for lack of better, or more eloquent terms, and uh, Google's consolidating and providing more for less. So that's that's all good news for the from the consumer front. Um, from from the business side of that, the challenge will be coming out of or during and coming out of these uh, new methodologies that we're doing from a 
connectivity and remote worker perspective, you know, so, some of this remote working is going to stick and then some, some of it won't, but regardless, some of the exposure to some of these technologies has been so transformative for some organizations like we've had on a, on the, on the show here, uh, several episodes ago, uh, we had, we had Jim on and it's so transformative for them that they, they're good. They're going to intend to keep using, using the platform. So having that, um, squaring off of, of competing services, you know, like, you know, I had a conversation with, um, a client the other day for the day job and, and they're already seeing this squaring off of uh, our marketing team and department wants to use zoom for everything. And then our, our sales team and our, and our production team is using teams. Uh, but we have this, uh, group of guys that go out into the field to provide field service. And they're just talking to each other with hangouts. So they kid you not all three platforms. And they're like, you know, each, each one of their people are like, this is what we know now. And this, they're Squaring off to like kind of settle on one from an enterprise perspective, um, so that's going to be a challenge to look out for. And you know, the one thing I'll tell you is 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 look at your use cases, look how you're using the solution, look how it covers um, the majority of your users from a functionality perspective. But then you need to take that next step. And if you're a business business uh, unit person and you're not in the IT pro world. Um, and IT pros, you need to also educate the rest of your, your your business units at your organization to say, okay, it's more than just I can click and do stuff so simple and easy or it's intuitive or we just know it. You need to go to that next layer and look at, okay, what is it doing for data loss prevention and rights management and threat? And like, what are those other things that that need to be addressed from an enterprise perspective? Because, you know, the new the new normal for lockdown is going to, you know, the the advisory is going to be lifting soon from from a national perspective. Now, states and counties still have advisories, but that means things are going to start opening up. We're not going to comment whether that should or not. Um, but I will say straight up is it's going to create a bit of conflict with technologies. Are you seeing any of that? Are you hearing that? What's your comments around that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that I have seen a number of organizations, not just from you know voice collaboration, but from other remote technologies um, that that workers are kind of getting, I guess, desperate for lack of a better word, um, you know, with file sharing and like you said, voice and, and communication and, and such. Um, and I think that kind of, as I mentioned before, you know, some users don't want to change. Um, they want to do what they know. They want to use what they know, interact with what they know. And um, as you correctly called out, I think that's going to be uh, problematic for for IT pros because you don't you want to you want to give your end users what they need or what they want um, and what works best for them, but you also got to keep in mind security and and stuff like that. And for organizations that aren't having this this desperate issue that were locked down pretty pretty good and said here's your your solution, Teams, Zoom, Google, whatever whatever it may be. Now I think is the prime time um, now that. You're likely taking a breath and looking around and watching the dust finally settle a bit for remote working. I think now's the time to really dive deep into the security aspect, which sometimes goes by the wayside um, in in emergency situations. Um, definitely take a look around now that the dust settling and see see some areas that you can uh, optimize the security of of your systems. Absolutely. Um, so staying in line with connectivity, uh, one of the other technologies uh, that got an uptick is pushing desktops to users or 
expanding the the usage of pushing desktops to users with technologies like uh, Citrix or Windows Virtual Desktop. So when we stop and we, we look at the news that's coming out, we see a lot of advances from organizations that provide those services. And again, being a little more Microsoft-centric, we're going to kind of target on some of these new features that are coming out for Windows Virtual Desktop. So a couple of them, I'm, I'm going to take a few of them and watch you take a few of them. Um, just kind of give a quick outline on what these what these options are. We'll put a link to this in the in the notes. Um, and this is as of today, as of recording this today, news this morning of these features, uh, uh, feature availability, other preview or getting ready to go GA. Um, a couple of things we wanted to you know shout out is that the management experience um, is being more streamlined and 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 tailored to being able to nimbly roll out desktops in, a, in, a, in a, an approach that will expedite the deployment of those, right? And a lot of that comes from the management portal inside of Azure. So inside of there, you can set up host polls. Um, you can have it separated a little more logically between applications and desktops and how you assign users all from within that Azure portal. So they've, they've improved the scaling experience, um, I should say, auto-scaling experience through uh, a, a lot of the stuff that Azure does natively with Azure Automation and Logic Apps. So there is a uh, Microsoft blog article written around that. So keep that in mind that, you know, just because you may be using something that's um, considered like desktop as a service, if you will, the whole of Azure behind it um, helps increase your your effectiveness by including some of the Azure automation bits and logic apps to help help with that scaling and auto scaling. It's it's super cool stuff. Um, a couple other things I wanted to, to throw out there. So now you can quickly add Intune tenants um, with the config manager. There was always a coupling there, but you can enable the two to work together a little more a little more clean. Um, I'm going to let that hang there because we will have a blog post uh, being released uh, late Friday. So, so please check that out off our website, and that'll be in the show notes as well. Um, so it's tastelabs.net. You, you'll follow the links to the blog. We're gonna ha I have a a detailed uh, write up on on that integration bit. And what else did we want to touch on? You got a couple things too, don't you? Yeah, from this article, um, being the again resident non Microsoft guy, um, which not really, but I pretend to be. Um, Matt, uh, there's expanded support for macOS in, in Intune, and I think if you haven't checked out Intune, you should definitely check it out. You might may already be licensed for it. It's an incredibly powerful MDM solution, um, and they're kind of expanding. <laughs> did I hear claps in the background? You did. Are we a live show now? Performing from a live <laughs> studio audience? <laughs> um, yeah, so Intune uh, is kind of expanding their their use case with macOS, and I've, I've done a number of Intune... Um, um, deployments. And I think that the, the deployments that I haven't done, the limita limitating factor is there is a lot of Mac OS out there in, in the wild. Um, you know, some organizations use it just for kind of their marketing and video editing kind of people, but some organizations use it all around. Um, you know, I know an organization I was associated with in the past, they're mostly Mac, um, you know, probably 75 to 85% max. So, um, whether, whether we like it or not in the, in the windows world, it's, it's, it's happening. And I think, you know, with Microsoft expanding their, their hardware, um, 
acceptance, I'll call it, um, you know, being doing things with with iOS and, and et cetera. Um, this is just another tick in that expansion box for expanded support with Intune. So if you're if you're if you're holding out for Intune because of that, um, maybe, you know, check that out. Um, let's see what else there's. There's a lot. And I'll include the uh, the link uh, after producing it and posting it in the show notes here. But uh, support for Microsoft Edge. You, know, you guys know uh, on this show that I'm a quick uh, or am a huge um, quick adopter, uh, early adopter of, of the new edge. Um, I think it's it's great. Uh, and adding support into that is is awesome. Speaking of, I have a, a edge question for you, Mr. Askins. For me? Yeah, I'm going to throw it out at you um, kind of blind. It's an easy one, though. Don't worry. Um, did you see the new Edge feature? And by new, I mean within the past couple of weeks. That's called, I forget what it's called because I haven't used it yet. Co- collections. Collections. I have not. Please tell me about collections on Edge. <laughs> yes. So I, I, honestly, I don't really know why you use it. Yet, I'm still playing with it. Um, collections are groups of, uh, of, of uh, bookmarks, really. Um, and I know there's some interesting things you can do with it. A, a normal bookmark can't, I guess. You can add some notes about what you were thinking. Um, and, and that's ac- actually kind of cool. Um, but it seems like you could just have a, a folder group of bookmarks. I mean, other than the note feature where you could say, here's all the the links I was working on when I was trying to do XYZ for client, you know, A, um, that's kind of neat, but you could just name the folder that. So I've been trying to play with it and see what I could use it for. And I, I can't really find a, a good use yet. And as of I, when I looked last, and I could be wrong now, and I'll do a quick live check as you move into the next topic, but I don't think this is available on mobile yet. Um, so if it can't sync to my mobile, I don't really see a use case for it. And yeah, I don't see it here either. Yeah, so, so you know, I flippantly uh, did the, the return so you can highlight the features there. So I have not played with it as much, though. I will say that the benefit of having something like that is is tailored, I think, the use case would be for more an office environment than a personal environment. So, so think of, think of the way applications have developed and, and not the developing of the app, but like the evolution of applications being, you know, these big, thick, hard behemoths to everything's mostly accessed through a web app or through the, through a browser, if you will. So there's a lot of organizations I, I used to work at when I was on the enterprise side that we would, we would all the time have to have a series of like shortcuts to all the, all the apps that are needed for people to do their jobs. And we'd have like libraries of what shortcuts need to go on the desktop and all the different things that go around it. So, so imagine a world where say you have, you're, you're managing a bunch of people, a team of people, and you need to onboard somebody. And then, cause you can share collections, right? So being able to share that collection and the notes attached to those collections of like your time, your, your HR portal is here and remember that your password is your email address. And then in this link is the link for having access to the manufacturing system to find out what's been, what's run and what's not. And here you use a, a special, special login because it's a closed system or, or what have you. So, so th- there is value in being able 
able, being able to curate things and then have some context via notes, but then share it. I think that is probably the more value out of a collection than being able to just logically group a bookmark that you can easily make a folder and store. Here's my here's my business apps and here's my sports apps and here's my hockey and soccer stuff in subfolder. So you can do that for yourself, but it's not easy to to make that useful for other people. Yeah, I think I would I think I would totally use this um, instead of bookmarks, quite honestly, for a lot of cases. I mean, obviously, at, at the top, um, you know, I, I want all of my day to day kind of daily websites. But a lot of the bookmarks that I have are for things that I don't touch on a daily basis where I think collections would be helpful for, especially things that I open all together. Uh, really, I would start using it. But my limitation is syncing to mobile uh, because I do a lot of work from my tablet. I do a lot of work from my phone. Uh, and if I don't have access to that when I need it, that's super problematic. Uh, so my question for you is, since you're, you're, you're Mr. Edge, do you know if the enablement of Edge has been more streamlined? Because I know, didn't you used to have to like do, do a command line and enable feature Edge collections, something or other? I, I can't remember the context. There's some sort of enable you used to have to do to turn that on. Do you, do you know or do you recall if that is indeed still the case or if it was just a setting checkbox to turn on? So as far as it's, the collection goes, it just showed up. You know, it's at my top bar next to my face up here on the on the top right. And, you know, I looked at it and there's like a little information button that's, you know, kind of like, hey, check this out. So it's, it just kind of showed up. Um, and I am a curious individual and was like, what's that? <laughs> and started playing with it. So I didn't enable anything for that specifically. But I do know, you know, with the addition of profiles and stuff like that, where you can have multiple profiles, personal work, et cetera. Um, you can have different settings for each. Um, they're doing really, really good at kind of making it all in the GUI um, from a settings perspective, uh, even, you know, more advanced features. So I would assume it was it would be in there somewhere if I really cared to turn it off. So, so here's my homework um, that I'm going to suggest, and feel free to, this will be optional extra credit homework. Feel free to accept or decline it. So sometime in the next couple shows, we're going to refer back to this show. And can you tell me, so you know how the likeness between Edge and Chrome is very similar now, right? Because of the, the new platform. Uh, Chrome has been getting beat up quite frequently because of the amount of resources it takes. I'd be interested to see if what 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 the metrics look like on that of running um, maybe a web intense thing with edge and seeing if it what what it does to the system. And then I'm, I'm sure this stuff's already out there. <laughs> I mean, because mm. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's been done, but uh, even if you can find it, I'm, I'm just curious on that. So this is something that, you know, keep listeners hanging on for future episodes. Maybe we'll report back or we should report back here on uh you know, edge versus Chrome on going to specific sites. Let's look at, I mean, I, I know with a Google search, we can see what load time looks like. Cause that's one of the differentiators that, that both browser makers like really want to just hang their hat on. But for someone who's spent a good lot of time in an airport, I also want to know does like, how long does that, when you close that, that process hang and before it goes away, does it go away? Because I know Chrome used to get beat up a lot because it would just chew up the resources, which then chews up battery, which then creates, you know, that not good experience. Yeah, what's what's funny about that, too, that you, you brought that up is we might have even talked about this on a show or maybe I just talked to it with you. I don't remember. So I'll just give a, the quick, you know, Sparknotes version. 
um, as you know, and I think you do too, I can't work in silence. So I have music or, you know, a TV show that I've already seen or something like that. Um, obviously not something I'm like super interested in. It's always like a rerun or a comedy show that if I miss something, I really don't care. Um, but anyway, um, I have YouTube TV and I had the YouTube TV windows app and I was, you know, watching TV and I noticed my computer was just running dog slow. So I um, looked in the performance and it was like just eating, 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 eating everything, CPU, RAM, everything. And it was just tanking my system. So I closed it out of curiosity because when I closed it, I noticed it was a Chrome process kind of unsurprisingly, right? It's, it's, it's a Chrome app sort of, you know, not exactly, but kind of because it's made by, by Google. So it, it was a Chrome process in the background that was killing me. And I was like, interesting. So I went into Chrome and I, I went to YouTube TV, the, whatever it is, tv.youtube.com or whatever the URL is and, uh, did the same thing. And again, my computer was tanking. If I run that in edge, it's significantly less performance heavy significantly. So, you know, even though it is Chromium based, um, I think that there is some optimizations it's doing, um, that probably is just because it's new and it could be fixed in Chrome now too, cause I don't use it as much. So I'm not going to completely say that it's better in, in edge because I, I will admit that I use edge more often than I use Chrome now. Um, but I did notice in that one very scientific, hugely scientific experiment that I did. Um, edge was better in that case. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, I, I, my phone just recently got an update and, um, so th this is what I found peculiar from mobile devices. I've been using edge more on the phone than I have been on other things. Right. I got the built-in, I use mostly Samsung phones, the built-in Samsung browser. I got Chrome and I got edge all on my phone. So my phone updated, and recently, just yesterday, and I couldn't keep the battery over 75%, even on a like inductive charger, it would just like sit idle. And I'm like, what's going on? So I go into the processor, uh, the processes and I'm looking and dang it. If it wasn't Chrome based stuff sitting there, just like chawing away at it. Now, Android, I'm not going to get into the development bits of Android, but it's, you know, it's not supposed to work like that, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's kind of vexing that there's, you know, I made sure all the apps are updated after I updated the, you know, the, the OS on the phone, but it's stuff to look at. And it's things that people like, you know, the, I, I, I love when I see consumers or people that just are unaware and this is not a slight on them. It's just, they're like, Oh, my phone's a year, two years old. I'm just going to wipe it clean and start new. And like that, that doesn't fix why your phone's running the way it is. You know, I mean, yeah, there's artifact and there's things that it does make it better. You know, there's a whole security model or people try to follow around like, yeah, if you wipe it all clean and get rid of stuff, you know that I understand that. But the, the, the point I'm making is, is like, you might just have a bad update or, you know, you might, have something pending or you might have installed something that is reliant on other services. So you're not just getting like one X usage out of your data and your, in your battery and what have you, you're getting like two, you're utilizing two X of that because it's calling all these other services. Yeah. It's a small, like 10, five, 10 meg app that downloaded super snappy quick, but it's relying if it's super functional and super rich, it's relying on other things in your phone, which may not be as, you know, good with that. Yeah. And, and just by the nature of Android, I think that, you know, Google is usually uh, a bad or I guess I should say it's it, it's usually at fault with that. Right. Because there's so many interconnected 
apps, which makes the experience awesome, but also provides a lot of uh, holes that that can can cause things like that. So it's great that they're doing it, but you know, it's also kind of not in a way to because of that reason. Yep. Absolutely. There it is. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, you know, one of the last things we wanted to bring up is the, uh, event we just had, uh, for the day job. You were, you were, uh, presenting on, on a live event, a Microsoft teams live event, um, as was I. And previously the previous week before that we had, I was guest on, um, live event in the media section of, uh, of the organization here that you're heavily involved in here. It produced those, the first live event. So, you know, the one thing I'll tell you that the, the, the experience of being a presenter on a Microsoft Teams live event, and that, that's what I'm referring to, not just a live event being streamed out across face space or insert service here. Um, being able to uh, present through Teams, that experience as a presenter um, is pretty seamless when when you look at it. There's there's really no, nothing crazy. So some of the other competing products, you log in and you have a, like a special panel off to the side where you're like you're the presenter and you need to click and enable this, that, and the other to get going and what have you. Um, so as one who does produce live events, I wanted to bring that up because you know we talk about teams from a collaboration perspective. We talk about it from from being able to have meetings. We talk about it from a voice perspective. But the one area we we kind of cursorily discussed is is live events. So um, I know they've recently added some features and some stuff around that. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are you saying here? Yeah, so I've, I've produced a, a couple of them, and I've, as you mentioned, been a presenter in a couple of them, and I've attended a couple of them, so kind of have each layer covered, as do you. And um, it's, I think we might have talked about this in a previous show, and I think that we need to kind of bring it up, because I think Microsoft must be, like, they must be watching the show, specifically what you say that annoys you. And fixing <laughs> things that annoy you, because you were angry about background blur. Uh, custom background blur and now we have custom background blur yep. and i think in last show or two i mean we either thought this or i'm pretty sure we said it the next thing we we're going to complain about is um when you try to share audio you can do it in teams it's quite seamless when you share you can check a box or if you scroll up at the top the little kind of hovering uh share window you can check a box there to include system audio uh the trouble is with a live event you couldn't do that so if we're doing like opening kind of oh look here's the event starting kind of like google or microsoft or or uh, apple style look at us this is awesome kind of interest intro stuff it had to be soundless or we had to kind of dub over it with our own voice uh, which people are going to listen to our voice for the next hour or two. And nobody wants any more of our voice, I'm sure. So um, it was kind of a letdown that you couldn't have that. And then <laughs> right before we went to do our live event, I'm like, hey, Mike, did you notice they added this checkbox in this live event? And you're like, what? No way. <laughs> and it was literally that day because we had we had some some uh, representatives from teams on there. And they're like, I didn't see that yesterday. It must have updated last night. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> of, course, of course it did. So so I agree. They, they either um, are fervent fans of of our show or they have our our office bugged because just outside of the team stuff, I was I was on a phone call and I was talking about a feature a thing that I would like to see the way something was presented in Azure. And um, 
the way a, one of the blades were handled with a popover as opposed to a slide uh, insert technical thing here and usability thing there. Um, darned it. If it wasn't within a couple of days that came and it's not like I was like sitting there scrolling down through, through, you know, the, the user feedback things like, Oh yeah, this is something that's like in the work and I'm just going to bring it up. To ch- I, I rarely go there anymore. It, the, the, the user community feedback, um, the user voice as it's called, I, I, I used to live there because I was, had so much input, but you know, day to day things have, have for quite a while now has got me re- more redirected and maybe I need to pay more attention. So I don't stop getting all, all worked up. <laughs> maybe they got a lot <laughs> of the things I want to have done already in works. You know, I will say I'm going to shamelessly plug our, uh, our, our, a virtual webinar and you, you're, I'm sure you're going to talk a little bit more about it and, and when to expect it and stuff like that. So I'm not going to go there, but I'll plug it a little bit in. We had a, a surprise guest on there that went first and he kind of focused on, on teams specifically. Um, and you, you know, um, through the day job and, and through just personal, just interest, I, I know a lot about teams. Um, you know, I, I'm planning my wedding and replanning my wedding, um, or renewal of vows or whatever you want to call it now that we have to postpone our actual ceremony, like official ceremony. I'm you're planning already, that. You're already in, married. You're already I'm married. already, I'm already officially married, but we didn't have our fun, our fun ceremony stuff. So, um, so, so put a link to the, the newspaper article about you in the show notes. Too. <laughs> yeah, I should. Yeah. That was on the front page. It's big news, but, um, we basically, um, we're planning the whole thing in teams on a personal level. So it's not just my professional level. It's not just helping clients. It's not just communicating with, with the team here. Um, but it's also on a personal level. So I know a good bit about teams, but I was when, when we do that, like two days ago, I was two days ago, years old when I figured out something that's going to, going to completely change the way I use teams. And I didn't even know you could do it. And it's the most simple, stupid little thing, but I didn't know you could do it. And he is the one that he was doing a demo and he clicked on something and I was like, how in the world did he do that? And then I went in and figured it out and literally it took two seconds and the listeners are going to think I'm stupid, I'm sure. But for anybody who's like me and just didn't try this before, you know, the little three dots on the bottom on the left-hand side where you can open up other things like stream and, and who, and whatever you call it, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Did you know you can right click on any of that and pin it to the left bar? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> so I was I was going in there, clicking on that and clicking on stream. And I'm like, man, I wish this was just on the side. There's so much real estate here. Why can't I just pin it? And then I, I saw him use planner. And I'm like, I use that all the time. I have to go to those three little dots every time. How do you do that? And I went in and right clicked and it says pin. And I'm like, wow, I feel like an idiot. But that's going to completely change the way I work. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a small there. There's so much there that that's the small bits that that often get overlooked and it's not that um it's not that you don't know the platform not you specific i'm talking to our users that you not that you don't know the platform or it's that overwhelmingly um immense and complex that you have to know all the it's just that out of the box it just works and i hate using that phrase because i'm so against that phrase it just works but it works and it works well to where after people understand that oh yeah this is where i talk to people and this is where i i can go get information i mean you're you're off the ground running and you can be you know marginally to largely productive within the environment it's those little tiny things here and there that make all the difference to to usability you know like even even bookmarking like we, we were on the phone um with with a call um 
for with one of our partner companies for the day job, and we're we're doing a a, a joint response to to a project, and I was like you're trying to find something I sent you in this giant, large text thread bookmark it. Yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. That. It's that's like, another thing that was really recent, super recent. And I think it's been around forever. Like our listeners are probably like, wow, these guys are dumb, but like, it's the little things. Like you said, like I've done super complicated teams, voice configuration for a client in a day and got people remote literally in seven hours. That's how long it took. But I didn't know you could bookmark a chat thread. Like, yeah. it's 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 the little things and that's going to completely because you can search that too it's com- and it takes you straight back to where that conversation was you can see the context to so see you don't have to like bookmark every oh it's it's awesome it's those little things that i'm you know you know how i, w- I wish i could time this you know how much time i'm going to save in a year not having to click on those three little dots anymore yep <laughs> it's not it's going to be non-insignificant <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so so i'm gonna i'm gonna make you i'm not gonna say excuse i'll give the reason why a lot of that misses misses someone like yourself um you live in the world of complex more than you live in the world of interface and you know i do the same too and when i hear a feature or something like that that's that seems to be pretty straightforward in your face it, one of the things that becomes the challenge is like you know, you're standing there, you scratch your head, like, how did I not know that? I promote this application or whatever. Well, to your point you made earlier, it's like, oh yeah, so we're on the back end doing a lot of the security stuff and and tying other services in and bots and automation and all this heavy stuff. So we often either just take for granted, forget about, or just kind of gloss over some of those other things like pinning stuff. Um, so so the pinning bits, um, I found that was at the last Ignite, the in-person Ignite that occurred, that was uh, brought up there as one of the features. And the, uh, the so if we're looking at another feature that I really, 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 really want. So since like they're listening and, <laughs> and background, yeah, it'll, it'll be in by next week. <laughs> <laughs> so background blur occurred, right? And now we have the ability in a live event to send audio across. The next bit is that they championed at the last ignite and since is that being able to pop the chat out. Oh yes. That's yes. 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 A, that's a, that's clutch. That's, that's a productivity. The, the amount of time I, I just, I'm at a loss of words and how, how impactful that is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I know I look everywhere for it. I look online when it's going to be done and, or set out there. And, you know, you hear all this various vectoring of this stuff, but it's not there. So if you're in planner and teams and the message comes across, like I'm sure you're hearing all my chimes going off in the background on the show. Normally I like to mute them, but I thought, let's be more real today. And I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, chat stream came. What if I, it's an emergency customer saying, oh my goodness, this XYZ, I could have popped that out and say, hey, I'm going to get you here in a minute. So they, they feel addressed, but I'm not even going to look at that chat with the notification bubble up there glaring at me, which is driving my OCD nuts, but it's glaring at me saying like, you don't know what this message is. Meanwhile, it's going to be something like, Hey, what did you think of that show last night? But I don't know. Right. And I know you can bounce off of it and go back, but you know, we're recording this in real time and I don't want to have to go back and edit out me. It's like, Oh, hold on. Let me check my messages because I'm expecting something from a client today. Right. I got show notes in the one pan. I got you up on the bottom, up top in the corner. Like I got it all set up for what I'm doing here. That has a dependency on, on being rigid for this time period. We're doing this. So having the ability to just like fly that out would be awesome. 
yeah, I also have been playing with um, Wiki, which has been a thing in Teams forever. But, you know, having its own separate app where it pulls all the wikis out to like kind of together in one view is incredibly awesome. And it, it, it just it, 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 we talk about rabbit holes a lot in the show, too. And I, my most recent rabbit hole is going down on, like you said, just the basic things of teams that I overlook because I'm too deep in the weeds. I kind of took a step back and I'm, I'm stopped looking at at the uh, at the tree and I'm looking at the forest and I'm like, wow, I see why people like this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Um, yeah. So I think we covered quite a bit today. We, we talked about. Talked about a taco bar. We talked about Windows Virtual Desktop, collaboration updates, uh, Teams Live Event and presenting. So, like, we kind of touched on Teams Live Event and preventing. I want to kind of like, there's a little bit more I want to add to that, and then I'll toss back to you before we bring up our uh, our channel of the week. Um, we need some sort of echo reverb there. Yes. We need to have some. We need to have like a bumper or something like that. You know. We do. But, so. Uh, Teams live event. I, I mentioned this, a starkly different experience from when you're air quote a producer. Why am I even air quoting? When you're a producer, when you're a presenter, they're, they're starkly different ex- experiences, right? When you can see how how it looks, um, and one of the things I found being a presenter as, and a producer at the same time, you know, you can't blur your background, or at least it would not allow me to. Those functional that functionality was was not able. Now with all the new changes that's happened. Um, we could very well be able to do that, but I know that I was not able to do that um, as as late as as early and late as what a week ago. So the, yeah, maybe the, with that update, they they listened to you on that one too. <laughs> they they, they might have, they might have. So so that that particular event had my nice big green screen behind me staring at you. If you, if you did happen to see that uh, that presentation from Right Hand Technology Groups, um, our remote workers, his security risk. Uh, that was a pretty decent event. And the, the thing that I, I thought was super cool with, with live events, native. Now, there's things you can do to make it even more better, if you will, is like using OBS or all these other other production-type tools and piping that into the stream, into Teams, so you can have have more rich graphics and things like that. You wouldn't have to do as much in post. It's more live in real time. Um, and the flexibility is there to do that, which I which I really like. And the other thing I really like about uh, live events um, is the fact that that presenters uh, you have options, right? You can go with a small. We call it little head, big head. So you can be a little head with your content, or you can be just your content. You can be big head. So having the ability, the the, the core base native ability, um, is is very impactful from a participant perspective. So I've been presenters and participated in uh, other services. I'm not going to call them out, but when you're a presenter, you're like, here's my camera and there's me with my poorly lit webcam. And then, oh, hold on. And then the webcam goes dark and it's black screen. They get their presentation and all you just have the presentation. There's no, there's not much interaction. There's not much personalization to that. It's essentially sitting in a room with a PowerPoint. So I like the fact that you can add that dynamics. And I'm sure some of these other ones have those abilities in some tier of their, their solution or what have you. Uh, it just seemed more, more native, more intuitive to be able to do that with this platform. 
So I, I overall like it. I know um, uh, Taste Media, we, we do lo- teams live events for organizations a lot uh, from a production perspective. And, you know, I, I, I just find the value in that solution being being as as easy just to have something that looks more rich than other than just pumping a PowerPoint across the web. So uh, I guess that's my final thoughts for that for now. But um, yeah, any other final thoughts on Teams Live events? No, I think that, um, you know, as unless you you have any any issue with it, and if so, I can cut this part out. But I think we'll include that event in our, our show notes there to get people what they're, uh, you know, you're, you're referencing it. And I do think it was kind of good for uh, some organizations to talk about the security side and a lot of good information presented. And you were a presenter. So um, we'll include that in the show notes uh, for you to, to review if you want to. Um, and um you know, we, I think the only thing that we have left is we, we did a webinar, right? That's kind of big news. Do you want to kind of plug that one a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we had a, uh, that's number two, by the way, two <laughs> for those keeping count at home, that's two absolutely technically three that I used it for the example. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we had an event, uh, recently we had uh, Robert Gates from Microsoft on and he presented, as you were talking earlier, he presented on, on enabling, uh, remote workers or giving tools, um, to remote workers. And there was a lot of teams related information around that. I took a, a bit of the presentation out of the middle, um, which was very long, my bit, a uh, little more dry for most people. And and quite frankly, I didn't have the, the best speaking voice that day. Um, I don't know, the world's aligned against me for that for that day. But um, I spoke to migrating to Azure. So I gave a quick why get there, you know, which is kind of, you know, a recap for most people. But there are a lot of organizations out there, especially in that medium swath that really don't understand the value of what it brings in the areas that it can be as little or as much as you want it to be. But then how do we get there? And talking through, you know, the assess bit, um, the various types of migrations, um, you know, be it a lift and shift or a refactor slash replatform or a rebuild. So I talked through what that looks like and did a quick demo around um, how fast you can enable services in Azure. So, so those who feel scared of like, okay, I got a consultant that got me there. They went away, but I need to stand up something. So, you know, kind of in real time, I stood up a Kubernetes cluster. And I already had one that I had for demo purposes. And I also showed how easily you can scale it uh, in the platform. And then I kind of connected the dots with, okay, here's the Azure portal. And once you do it once, if you save the template and you have the JSON, you can deploy it through um, Visual Studio Code or Visual Studio or any, you know, pipeline that you can automate that with. Uh, in addition to natively from, if you don't, if you're not that kind of a person yet, which I emphasize the word yet, um, you save those templates on, you can use those templates from within the Azure portal. Uh, it is a preview feature right now. It's called Azure templates. And once you kind of figure something out, you can save that as a template and you just put in the, the variables that are unique to what that workload is, be it a machine name or, 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 or the like. So, And you have that flexibility of choosing what you want that those choices to be. So then I pivoted off to like summarizing that and I tossed it to you. And here's the tie-in. Uh, I tossed it to you to cover uh, monitoring and alerting, which kind of encompasses some of the things we talked about in the Azure, but more importantly, that dashboard and that dashboard experience and what your bit of the presentation was super impactful for organizations because you're able to take um, 
workloads on-prems in any cloud in, in Azure and pipe that as a key metric inside your dashboard. So all you have to do is load the portal and you can see some of those key metrics in front of you. So it was super impactful. It was, it was pretty good. It tied together because um, we also talked about you know, reporting in Power BI and putting it inside of Teams tabs and things like that. So uh, we touched on that a little bit too, as well. It was it was a pretty pretty cool pretty cool event recording. It will be dropping online soon. Uh, we had private consumption will be this week, and so uh, depending on the release of that uh, to the general population, what we'll do is uh, put some links on our website, blog, Facebook, Twitter, and we will make it available. Uh, if you're on our stream, you can be on stream, and we'll also try to plop it in YouTube as well. Sounds good. Yeah, we uh, will get that out to you. And it's not uh, produced yet, but once it is, we'll include it in the show notes maybe next week uh, or in an upcoming episode, I should say. Uh, we'll, we'll include that in the show notes too. So um, yeah, awesome. I think the only thing we have left is Channel 9 Video of the Week, right? Yeah, Channel Video of the Week. So let me let me get that bad boy up here. Um, let me let me get back to our back to our team's show here. So um, I, I didn't want to do a video of the week and I'm going to put an asterisk there. I'm going to say I wanted to do many videos of the week. <laughs> and uh, essentially what I'm going to suggest is that the channel nine uh, channel nine on MSDN Python for beginners. It's a 44 at this point is a 44 piece um, series on channel nine. We'll put the link in the show notes below, left, right, up, depending on what what you're what you're listening on. And essentially, it's going to get you going from what is Python, how to get started, how to use Visual Studio Code with it, um, typical concepts. Um, it'll walk you through small, short, quick hit videos. But if you're develop minded and you don't know what Python is, then it'll be super quick to blow through these. If you're not and say you're just an IT pro on the infra side, but you know, maybe some things that you're doing is going to require a little bit of Python. This is a great, great primer for that. It gets gets you more than capable on being able to, you know, at least look at Python and understand what the bits are. If you are doing stuff in the IoT space, Python being embedded on inside of certain devices is super helpful. Um, I, I sent the link over to you. Did you get a chance to do a slow scroll on that? It's like four pages long of videos. Now the videos top out at like, I think five minutes or so. So it's super quick, mm-hmm. but uh, um, I, I don't know what were your thoughts on the sc- slow scroll of that. It, seem, it seems like it could apply for, for people just wanting to get a language under their belt or needs this specific language for some function. Yeah. I think, I think that you know in the slow scroll, and I do a bit of Python. Um, I don't even want to call it development. I dabble, um, but I think that there's a lot of even reference material in here. So if, if you're listening to this thinking, "Wow, I don't want to watch 44 videos of um, you know how to do Python," there's a lot of things in here that you know, I'm doing another slow scroll right now, like uh, loops or functions or collections. Um, you know, things like that, that if you're thinking to yourself, wow, you know, I know how to do Python, but maybe I forgot the syntax or I want a quick example or, or what have you. I think it'll be good for reference too. you can go through these pages and watch somebody do it um, in real time and get an example. Uh, if you're anything like me, that speaks a lot more volumes than just reading. I like to, to see it. Um, I'm more visual than 
than anything uh, than you know reading in a textbook or on an online help article. So uh, it, I think that you know it's also if you just want to pick and choose one um, for reference, I think it'll be helpful uh, in in that way too. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we'll do an absolutely count, and we'll put that in the show notes too as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that wraps us up for this for this one. Um, I know we were intending to put two out last week because uh, we were doing two a week. Um, we had some of these live events that uh, preempted that, so we're gonna have some written blog drops too as well. And as usual, we like to thank our sponsors. Chase Labs and Solutions for Networks. And we will also, um, in the show notes, have Right Hand Technologies uh, presentation. We'll have a link for them. Uh, we, we do quite a bit of work with them as well. So uh, we'll give the shout out to them in the show notes as well. So thank you, everyone, very much. Thank you, Josh. Absolutely. Alrighty, everyone. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by Art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions.